podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. And welcome to the Fabi Pan Podcast. Hey. Pod four three nine, uh, and this week Palace drew nil nil at Newcastle United. And to review that game, I have Dom Fifield. Hello to you. How are you doing? I'm fine. Now. I'm conscious I haven't seen that game, so I'm going to review it particularly succinctly today. That's fine. That's fine. I believe in your abilities to do that. Um, and welcoming back to the podcast. Hasn't been here for a few weeks. Delighted he's back. Jack Pierce is here. Hello to you. Calimera, JD. Calimera. Good evening okay. for our Greek listeners. Oh, I, I, sorry. I thought that was some sort of player we've been linked with in the oh, transfer well, window that I hadn't. He's, he's I one that Hodgson didn't fancy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just, uh, fair enough. Yeah. He's uh, gone back to Panathinaikos. We've we've we, we've uh, cut that load short, but no. yeah, and then he'll be at RB RB Leipzig for twenty million in, uh, <laughs> yeah, quite in six months time. Yeah. Um, good, good to have you back here, uh, both you. of you on the podcast. Uh, before we crack on with reviewing that nil-nil draw at St James's Park, uh, can I get a drum roll for random patron, please? It's Christian Baker. Hey, hey Christian. Christian. Hello, Christian. Thank you for being part of our patron team. Uh, and you can join the Patreon and get all the rewards uh, like Christian does, including post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only Discord club at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P podcast. Quick reminder that all patrons, whatever level you're on, get 20% off our line of F-Y-P merchandise, which you can get at podcastmerch.co.uk, slash F-Y-P hyphen podcast. They get sent a code for 20% off. But anybody can buy merchandise whenever you want uh, at that link, podcastmerch.co.uk, slash F-Y-P hyphen podcast they can proudly wear fyp wherever you go um for the patrons really quickly if you're on the patron feed you're going to hear this uh, we're sponsored this week by nordvpn again uh, and you can get a deal for fyp listeners at uh, nordvpn.com slash fyp uh, public people public feed people will get a longer advert later on shall we dom talk about well to be fair a well-earned point i mean fortunate point i i guess we'll come on to that in a minute um a well-earned point first clean sheet of the season for palace away at newcastle um newcastle are not you know newcastle are a decent team these days so despite what happened during the game and we'll come on to the in a minute it's a decent point isn't it away at newcastle that you would have taken before the game regardless of how the game panned out oh yeah definitely i would have, I would have taken the point i mean I, I suppose i suppose you could look at newcastle and say they were they were without three of their 
better players. Um, certainly Bruno Grimaraes in, in midfield makes a big difference to them. Um, and Callum Wilson up up top um, is is a miss. Alan Samaksiman is is a sort of a maverick figure that that can be absolutely amazing on his day. And without that trio of players, even after their investment over the summer and, and, and indeed midway through last season, they're, they're they're not quite the same team. They're not quite the same caliber. But um, Palace Palace created enough half chances and I mean, they'll be a bit disappointed with the finishing, but that's a sort of recurring theme. Um, and moreover, they, it will certainly look with encouragement that Vicente Guaita's performance at the back. I mean, uh, you could argue that the, the defense have still shipped chances and it took Guaita's excellence to, to keep those out, but he's, that, that's what he's there for. And he, he, he had a fantastic afternoon. It was quite surprising that in fact, neither goalkeeper was referenced apparently in the post-match press conference at St. James's park. But I mean, that was a little reminder of the, the pedigree of Vicente Guaita, I think. Yeah, both keepers did well. I mean, it was a good day for Sells, GKP, GKP. Anyway, um, both keepers did absolutely excellently. Do you know what, Jack? We've actually had no questions about Guaita this week, which is mad. And again, on the post-match pod, available to all patrons, um, he obviously took up a big chunk of discussion, quite rightly, because he was absolutely excellent, wasn't he? Very good. Um, I think some of the Newcastle's finishing was perhaps not as on point as they would hope so but he he can only say what's in front of him and I thought he had a really good game I think he's had a pretty steady start to the season I think the uh, the signing of Sam Johnston um, you know whatever the idea is with Johnston in the long term has has maybe got Vicente playing that that step up a little bit more than he already was last season I, I thought he played really well on on um, on Saturday and uh, I believe he would have been bringing donuts into the training ground for the first time this season um, but a clean sheet at St James's Park this season, not many teams will will come away from that place. Um, that you know, that, that club's in a very positive space at the moment. Um, you know, I won't go into the politics and I won't talk about anything behind that. But in terms yeah. of the the atmosphere at St James's Park, the fans are a lot more buoyant than they have been over the last uh, perhaps decade. So the atmosphere will will, will you know really cheer those uh, that Newcastle team up uh, more than it has done previously. So teams will be under um, you know a lot more pressure than perhaps has been previous, and the fact that City shipped three goals there just a fortnight before probably says what a good point that was for Palace in terms of keeping a clean sheet. You know, it wasn't the great, the best performance, um, but that's the kind of day when you need your goalkeeper to stand up, and that's exactly what Vinny did. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and you're right. They're they're certainly not the sort of pushovers that they have been in the last couple of, couple of seasons. Annoyingly, especially and, and, and I'll get it in early. And Almiron didn't score, so you know, <laughs> that, that's the guy that would. Um, Very true. <laughs> just, despite the the long list of absentees, as, as Don mentioned, as soon as I saw Almiron on the starting uh, list, I, I did fear for us. But no, he uh, Vinny even managed to keep him at bay. Yeah, that is, I mean that is a huge positive uh, from uh, from the game. Shall we come on to the big discussion? It involved Guaita, of course, and that is uh, Newcastle's disallowed goal uh, for a quote unquote foul by Joe Willock on Guaita. Even though replays seem to suggest, I'm going to say it clearly suggested, clearly showed uh, a push from Mitchell uh, into him. Uh, it's one of the decisions that's been asked to be reviewed, I think, by the Premier League and the PGMOL. I'm not quite sure who's doing the reviewing, but it's up there um, for that. Um, Dom, I've got, um, uh, to be honest, this is a question, I guess, we could apply this to most weeks. And I might even work it into the title of the pod somehow, because I love this. It's from Ben Agbaimoni. Hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. He says, a goal to VAR. 
as in T-double-O. Discuss. I like the idea that something can be too VAR. Was this goal too VAR? Was it that obvious? (laughs) (laughs) Ben's Um, absolutely stumped him with this question. Well, it... It was, it was two VAR. He's spot on. It was, I mean, look, it's we're we're very, 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 very lucky indeed, and we're um, we're unbelievably lucky that the that the replay that they chose to show the on-field referee, who had actually made the right decision, I think, by awarding the goal, um, was cut to a certain point where Mitchell's push on Willock into Guaita wasn't quite so obvious there was one angle in particular where it was so brazen so blatant that if if the the referee even the even in the current circumstances where referees seem petrified to to defy the var and stick with their original decisions even that he he just simply would not have had a had a choice it was michael salisbury wasn't it i mean he he would have stuck with his decision had he seen that out that, that that angle um so yeah, Palace incredibly lucky, and and yeah, it's it's funny how it how it works. I mean, this was obviously an incredibly controversial weekend of um, VAR decisions. Uh, the the one at Stamford Bridge being the other one that that really um, fired the imagination. But there were others in other games, and and it's it's funny how it, it just seems to happen like this, where there's there's a sudden rush, and that's what sort of provokes the. Premier League to to go to PGMOL and say, hold on a second, there's a problem here. We need to review these and we do something about it. Um, and there will be change, I suspect, on the back of the criticism, the fierce criticism they've had from all quarters, quite rightly, for, for the decisions made last weekend. Uh, maybe in, in the weeks to come, um, we will see a bit more autonomy given back to the on-field referees. They will stick with what they know. There was one. There was one the other day where a referee did stick. He awarded a penalty. Didn't Michael he? Oliver. Michael Oliver. Uh, Forest Bournemouth yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but look, it's it was an outrageous. It was an outrageous decision, and it went in our favour. And that actually feels a bit like a novelty, to be honest. So let's <laughs> let's let's cling to it for a while because I don't think next weekend we'll be getting the same luck. No. Well, actually, that leads me to the next question from PC Wires. Hello, hey, PC. PC. I'll put it to you, Jack. If the VAR call had gone the other way around, would we all be as angry as Alan Shearer? Not as angry as him. I don't think I'm possible of getting as angry as and as. You're an angry man, Jack. I'm an angry man. <laughs> uh, look at my boyish face. Oh, um, I, I pro- probably um, probably would have been feeling very hard done by had that um, had that decision gone against Palace. I mean, in terms of the original question, Vicente Guaita is fouled. But the issue is Joe Willock is fouled to cause the foul. That's yeah. that's and as Dom's saying, when you when you break down a VAR decision to the degree that they did, then they are only going to see and they're only assessing the impact of Willock on Guaita. It's not actually how football's played, that there's no natural movement. Joe Willock wouldn't have gone headfirst into Vicente's stomach had Tyreek Mitchell not placed a very shrewd um, you know, forearm into the back of, of Joe Willock. It, it was a very Peculiar decision, and I think given the, as Dom says, given the angles that that Michael Salisbury uh, was shown, he had no option but to um, kind of go against his original decision. Um, but what made me think? I, I, I later read that it was Lee Mason who was the full, uh, who was the VAR, 
And earlier on the season, Mike Dean, who's been kept on as a another VAR only um, official. I just wonder, and sorry, and, and Lee Mason is exactly that as well. He's not an on-field official anymore. I just wonder whether, as a VAR only official, they sometimes will overplay their card. I, I, I just wonder whether they think that needs to be looked at because I haven't done anything for a long time in there. I, I, it's just something I thought about the other day. I was just, I, I did wonder when they started talking about VAR only officials, um, how that was going to work. But whatever opinion I have, VAR is not currently working as it should do. And I don't know how we have major tournaments, you know, Euro 2020, uh, the Women's Euros this summer, where VAR is being deployed a lot better than it's being deployed in the English Premier League. I just don't know why the the mechanisms of VAR in major tournaments and in other leagues across Europe and indeed across the world, seems to be being deployed better. It's, it's almost being done by purpose to give Dermot Gallagher an hour on Sky Sports News every Monday to kind of go over the decisions. It, it's it's just bizarre. And, you know, while we were lucky this weekend, I'm sure we'll have one go against us in the next few weeks. Would, would you scrap it? No, because I think it does bring in um, a better accuracy of decision, or at least the opportunity for better accuracy of decision. Um, but then that point is wholly undermined by what we saw at the weekend. I mean, the, the Jared Bowen goal, um, uh, sorry, not the Jared, the, the uh, Maxwell Cornet goal that, that was ruled out because of Jared Bowen's supposed foul. Before VAR, that would never have been disallowed. And the referee is looking, stare at, staring straight at it. So I don't know how that could have been gotten as wrong as it was got. But the one element of VAR that I would place on the side of removing VAR entirely is the fact that it ruins the moment of the goal being scored. That moment of West Ham equalising in the last minute at Stamford Bridge, at, you know, one of their bitter rivals, great moment taken away completely. And I just think there's, personally speaking, when I look at um, Palace scoring a goal and I think there's any degree of doubt about it, it does impact the degree of celebration and joy of that particular moment. So that's the only argument, which is a pretty strong argument, but I, I think if VAR's deployed well, it improves the game, but it's not being deployed well at the moment and it's impacting the game on too many levels. Yeah, you did. I mean, you did still used to get that when the flag went up, you would still get that celebration. But, that was, short, but, it, was, but it was quicker. Yeah, it was. I think the that West Ham was... one took four and a half minutes or something yeah. the weekend to get uh, through. I'm, I'm slightly kind of, I completely agree with all your points. I'm, I'm slightly like, without getting too conspiracy theorist about it, why, why, Dom, does the referee only get shown a couple of angles when he's literally the guy trying to make the decision when us at home get to see more angles that seems completely unbalanced and almost slightly leading down a road of why are they only showing them a couple of angles because they want them to go with their decision rather than the original one that i mean that feels weird but i can only assume that that's those are the angles that the var has seen in the short amount it is actually a short amount of time i mean bearing in mind the match of the day they still have like three or four hours to edit all those things and then see i mean it's not it's not an instantaneous thing in terms of finding all these angles and running them but i i, I suspect that they're just that's what the var has seen I mean, i'm really hoping that is what the var has seen because otherwise it does lend itself to conspiracy theories which i actually think are ludicrous yeah. but but you know that yeah obviously when you when you see something as outrageous as, as that this weekend then then <laughs> actually i i i have slight slightly more sympathy on the on the other one, on the, on the West Ham one, if only 
I'm just trying to trying to work out what would have happened had there been no VAR and the goal stood. I would have thought at the beginning of this week, leading up to the, the moment that Tuchel is sacked because they've just drawn one two two with West Ham. Um, that would Chelsea would have been outraged and there would have been pictures of I don't know the the stud marks on Edward Mendy and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. I mean, it's just being left prone oh on the floor. god, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's all such nonsense. And you know, I didn't think it. I, I, look, I, I didn't think it was a foul. I thought the goal should have stood. Um, but then I also thought. My God, what a shame! And this is coming from a Palace fan, but I'm, what a shame that Alexis McAllister's goal was didn't stand at Brighton over a yeah. over a an offside that really had absolutely, you know, come on. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. But those those are the rules at the moment. Um, and Can they change it, Dom? I mean, you you asked the question, and I won't ask you the same question unless you wish to answer it. But can they change the rules? Half or well not halfway through a season, but a, a proportion of the season in, can they alter how VAR is is used, or could that not jeopardise the? But haven't they done the that already to a certain extent? They, they have with other things. stuff previously. Yeah, yeah. They, they've tweaked yeah. things. Was it minimum seasons. minimum impact maximum? That's when the mad handballs. The handball thing when Joel yeah. Ward gets done against Everton oh, yeah, at home, course. and, yeah, and yeah. you know, and then the, the point blank range, and then they change that rule. Obviously, what they couldn't do is now scrap VAR after after mm. six league six games, games in the Premier League yeah. season. That that that, that <laughs> would be, amazing, be unthinkable. But, I mean, it would yeah. be it would be it would be absolutely <laughs> remarkable. I mean, that it would open them up to all sorts of problems because you know inevitably then West Ham would get relegated on the last day of the season uh, when yeah, yeah. You know, with a with a perfectly good goal ruled out for offside or a perfectly bad goal ruled uh, ruled onside. I mean it's it's that there's a sort of fate fate. Carlos Tevez be turning in his grave. <laughs> I mean he's not dead but, but oh God you killed Carlos <laughs> I've killed Tevez um, breaking news but they won't they won't they won't be they won't be changing that. I just can't see them changing that. But I, I it is a it is a a complete fiasco at the moment, and it was. And last weekend was a showcase of ev- everything that is awful about it. Everything there, that there was one in the Arsenal Man United game where Erdegaard steals the ball off Fernandez, I think, and yeah, they get played and in, and, up. And the whole argument was it's supposed to be minimal interruption, you know, or maximum effort or whatever. It sounds more like a sort of Coca Cola tagline, but like it, they've they've again. Because it really wasn't, and again, it goes back to the clear and obvious area. That one particular wasn't a sort of clear and obvious, obvious area. Is su- I mean, as ridiculous as it is, it's such an ambiguous term. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If a goal is 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 allowed to stand, and the, the the team that's conceded will argue that the mistake, that the the oversight was a clear and obvious error because it's cost them a goal. I mean, it's so it's just yeah. going back to the the Palace one. Yeah. It's that issue is caused entirely by what is determined as to be the the impactful uh, incident, and the impactful incident is Willock going into Guaita. Yeah. But why is an official not assessing? And I'm talking Palace out of a point here, possibly. But why is the impactful phase of play not not including Mitchell's elbow? It just doesn't make any should. sense. It, it, makes, it unless, absolutely should. Unless they think that I, I tried to sort of like think through this very quickly post match with the the post match podcast. Unless they think that. His nudge on Willock, and I absolutely don't think this is the case. I think it was a foul, and I think the goal should have been given. Um, is um, one of that, like one quote unquote, one of those things? And it's just like you always see defenders give a little nudge in the box or on the halfway line, and uh, and actually maybe they thought it was slightly more shoulder to. I mean, it that's wasn't. In, it was a foul. But the, you know what I think? Sp- yeah, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, um, but uh, it, it's all a bit black magic, to be honest. That that's the other thing with it. I, I don't think football fans and the three of us watch a hell of a lot of football between us. I'm I'm still not. I speak for myself, but I, I'm still not especially confident that I truly know how VAR is being applied. Yeah. 
And I, from what I see, I don't watch the other clubs as much as I watch Palace, obviously. But when you see Jesse Marsh, who I do think is, you know, a bit much at times in terms of his sideline antics. But when you see him just asking a referee to go and look at the decision, as, as clear as that one was, and that's not being referred to, but some of the ones that the other grounds being played in the yeah. same league at the same time yeah. are being referred to. It just makes no sense. But go on about that one. That's another one. That was a blatant penalty. Yeah. I mean, Absolute penalty. I mean, yeah. Uh, or was that the one the other day where the keeper Brentford, punches? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. no, no, no. That was um, the the right back Aaron Hickey got skinned and and he's had a shirt pull outside the box and he's carried it onto the box. Oh, and then, I missed that and one. Then clipped because there was one at Leeds the other day where the striker goes to head it and the keeper just punches the guy on the side of the head. Oh yeah, in that the box. F- yeah, yeah. Didn't get given either. Yeah. Well, maybe that's evened it out. Then Leeds got away with one that day and, uh, and it then, does feel but, a bit like without. I mean, we do need to move on to actual like <laughs> Palace chat at some point, which will be in part two. Um, it does feel like VAR is almost creating sort of a... And, and traditionally, there's always been a rift between officials and, and players and fans, and I get that, and that is the nature of what they do. But like this is it's now almost causing more of a rift between them. And, you know, and it's almost becoming more pantomime, you know, that they, they, that they are sort of like bearing down on these ridiculous decisions and that we still can't hear from them post-game and they still can't explain decisions. It's, it's almost being used as a wedge to drive everyone further apart. But despite that, I still, I'm, I'm still not really a supporter of the idea of the ref's audio being played on television. I don't, I don't think that would really add anything. It would just add a, another element to be scrutinised by the media, and it would just create a, a bigger and wider storm. But, <laughs> I mean, get rid of them. I, w- I would say, Jack, that you get some pretty tasty post-match set, um, summations from your mates Richard Keys and Andy Gray over in. Uh, in Qatar, yeah. Um, I mean, I know you've just you've just enjoyed their their company and being. Well, I I, I will be. I, I'm going to be moving out to Greece just to maintain access to being sports. Just for <laughs> just for Gray and Keezy, Keezy and Gray. Um, yes, they do. But I mean, that's the, that's exactly the, the type of thing. The, the kind of media storm that just two weirdos in Doha can create. But um, yeah, I don't know. Not a good weekend for VAR, and but I don't know what's a good weekend for VAR. No. I don't know if we've had a good weekend, but yeah, I don't know. Tyree there have been some Mitchell. good decisions made by VAR. That's I mean, what there I mean. There, there have been, absolutely, and there have been some good moments, and I think it's improved the spectacle and it's improved the competitiveness because there's a, another set of eyes on it, but the recent application of it is is just not good enough. It was meant to reduce the spectre of this sort of chaos, and it's just increasing it by by my assessment, but yeah. Well, yeah, and, in, well, yeah, and these decisions in particular, because I think... If, would these decisions be scrutinised as much on post-match, on match of the day and stuff, without the VAR decisions? You know, if the Mitchell goal... Of, oh, I don't know. Should we they talk about Palace? Been. They would have been. They did. They were. We did this. This is what we did pre-VAR. We we talked about controversial refereeing decisions, and, and the hope was that VAR was going to was going to choke all those dis- discussions. We would never so have is, to do that again. God, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I don't really, know where we go with it now. That's the no, problem. I don't my, know what you do. What do you, do? you can't well, you, stop it. You can't, because you, you're used to, I mean, you, you want to see Jordan Ayew score a last minute goal at, at West Ham because, you know, the, the offside yeah. is wrong. But, but likewise, you want Wilfred Zaha to score at Southampton when it's a, toenail in between you know yeah. whether whether he's whether well he's it's like a, it's like a fairness thing isn't it like you kind of like we all accepted before that there'd be some unfair decisions because it's like human error and it is still human error just with the access to you know multi-billion pound computers but do, do we accept that or, or no do, do we think that at some point and we are only what two or three years into using var three this three four years fourth season fourth season yeah. that it will at some point 
it, they will get the handle on how to use it and they will start making better decisions and the ratio of good decisions to bad decisions will even out a bit and there will be fewer of these or do we accept that with human error there's always going to be mad weekends like the one we I remember had. there was one pub we had last season I can't remember I think it was probably after the Liverpool fixture home fixture we'd lost and the third, the third goal penalty very controversial um, and we just lambasted the quality of, of current refereeing in this country um, these guys as Jack has already pointed out are the guys who are operating the VARs they are the VAR um, that we shouldn't be surprised that we still get ludicrous decisions made I mean it's it's right so we might have to wait we might have well, to wait think you're gonna have to, to be VAR well, you, need, you need you need you need referee you need better quality referees that's what you need I mean you essentially a better quality referee and this is really harsh because it was from the you know I don't know what angle that, that Salisbury had but a better quality referee spots that there was a push from Mitchell yeah. into uh, into Willett plays the advantage the ball goes in the goal stands or at worst you know if, if, that, if his clearance squirts the other side of the post and he gives a penalty a better referee does that. I mean, it's a bit unfair because I think that that is a at the, at the time he had to look through a clutch of bodies. But you know, a better referee gives Corne's equaliser at West Ham because he mm-hmm. he knows what's happening on, on the pitch and gives the lead penalty. Yeah, and doesn't and and, and I suppose you, you argue that well, actually, he did. The, the referee did give the goal. Yeah, at, yeah, at yeah, yeah. And he did give the goal. But then there's a equally clearly that the VAR who is a an ex-referee or referee of, of some kind uh, is not up to standard and, and muddies it all, muddies the water again. It's 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 a complete and utter mess. It is. It is. And we've come no further to sort it out. I, I thought winners and losers there. was going to be part two. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, we should we should crack on with it. Okay, let's um let's move on. We will we'll discuss the game a bit more in part three with questions, but and in part two, I guess. Uh, but let's take a quick break, and when we come back, it is time for winners and losers. Palace managed to shut out the attackers on Saturday and keep their first clean sheet of the season. And you can do the same with NordVPN, this week's pod sponsors. And FYP listeners can get an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to NordVPN, that's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash FYP to get a big discount of a NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee at NordVPN.com slash FYP. Now, what is a VPN? VPNs provide an encrypted server and hide your IP address so it protects your identity while online. It also gives you access to content that may be restricted in your country. Think of NordVPN as essentially the gay and Anderson of online security. It's reliable, fast, and great at keeping out attackers. Plus, it's easy to use, connect with one click, and with over 5,500 servers in 59 countries, you'll never be short of a super fast server to get you online, whether you're using Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS and Linux are even on your Android TV. I've been given access to NordVPN and it's definitely made me feel safer online. I'll be able to watch some content that's not normally available in my location. And like our fantastic centre-back pairing, you'll never miss a match, even when abroad, with the quickest VPN out there. And FYP listeners can get that exclusive NordVPN deal, including a big discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Just go to nordvpn.com. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash F-Y-P. That's nordvpn.com slash F-Y-P to get that deal. (laughs) 
Welcome back to part two of the Pipeline Podcast. Wee! Uh, it's winners and losers. This is a patron-only section. So if you're on the patron feed, you're going to hear our winners and losers now. If you're on the public feed, but you want to hear who we've gone for winners and losers uh, for this week, uh, sign up at patron.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. Uh, to hear those in its place, you're going to hear a clip from the post-match podcast uh, from the Newcastle game, which you can also get as part of our patron. You only hear a short clip. They are long pods, one hour minimum each each match game. Um, so you can get that at patreon.com as well. Let's make the split though now. What were your thoughts on that one, Adam? Do you think that there's some some kind of fatigue issues going on? Well, I mean, obviously there's a lack of options so in certain areas, so that would be kind of understandable. Um, I was surprised by Patrick Vieira's choosing today of uh, Jean-Philippe Mateto after his performance against Brentford the other night. Um, and I think that Michael Elise, you know, from his performance the other night, didn't particularly deserve to be dropped to the bench. That may be on the thought that that Jordan, being Jordan, doing what he does, would be better for us away from home. Mm. But when you've got such a talent like Michael Elise, I find it very difficult to keep saying to him, oh, you can only play this game and not this game and so on and so on. And as we saw on Tuesday night, attack is often the best form of defence. So uh, that concerns me. I've said to you before, and the more I see it, I'm surprised that Patrick Vieira is unwilling to give Jordan uh, Jordan Ayew a run at, 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 as a number nine for us. To be honest, I think he's he's got the capability to do that, and I would like to see him given a go with with Wilfred and Michael Elise either side of him so that we've got that that sort of pace and trickery and we've got his endeavour and his ability to hold the ball up and so on. I mean it wasn't so long ago that he was a player of the season um scoring nine goals in that position for us. And you know I think we've got not too many choices. Otherwise, it's JP or Edward. No Benteke. And again, I I I find that frustrating. That that I've said this to you before. That you know, if you're going to let Benteke go, you should have somebody lined up to come in. Mm. So we've saved some wages, but we're one striker short, and we haven't got too many choices. Yeah, I think the same now with Raksaki to a degree. You know. He does need to go to Charlton. He does need to play football because we want a better player long term. But actually, you know, I think we're a striker and a wide player light and we're a midfield player or two light as well. And that's and that's going to cause us problems because, you know, in terms of that defensive midfield slot, when you're talking about fatigue, you've got Decore doing a a very good job in there. He's been an excellent signing so far, but the two players ahead of him at the moment virtually picked themselves as and, and slap because there isn't actually any of that type to use within the, within the group at the moment, you know, Reed avowed Hughes, 
Milivojevic would all really feel the the slot that uh, as the six, the holding midfield player, really. And MacArthur is probably the only one that would give you one of those number eights roles for you. And he's injured. And, yeah. you know, let's be honest, much as we all love him, and he's been a fantastic player, he's injured often and he's fit these days, which is which is tough. Do you think? I, I th- do you think that he, that Vieira will have looked at what Edouard did when he came on with that chance where he, he where Pope saved it really well? Um, do you think that that will kind of play into the mind a little into his thinking a bit again with with picking a striker? It kind of feels like at this point he has to either stick or twist, and he has to he has to kind of put his faith in one player consistently. And and just kind of see it through. I think in in Edward's case, to me, it feels like if he scored a couple, he'd suddenly start scoring more. Like it's a, it feels like a confidence issue in many ways. Um, although that same can be said for Mateta, because Mateta is quite can be quite streaky as well. Do you think that that would have that that, that today's kind of especially in Edouard's case, the trickery that he, that he used, you know, the, the perseverance in order to get that opportunity and then that shot, which is well saved by Pope. Do you think that that will play a part in his thinking, maybe? I wonder. I mean, there's no doubt Edouard is a very good footballer. I think he's a, a terrific player, but I don't think he's shown himself particularly as the number nine for us in a in a convincing manner. I think Mateta the same. You know, he's physical. And again, today, he mixes up his sort of bits where you think, oh, well done, you know, you brush someone off the ball or you've you've shown some that, that little snapshot he had on the turn in the first half, you yeah. know, and so on. But then, you know, so much of his play is so scruffy and he loses possession with a poor touch and and so on. You know, it's an area that you'd have to say, if you're being honest, that the club should have improved and certainly shouldn't have allowed the Benteke you know, exit, if you like, without having that option. And I, I think the problem with the transfer window, to a degree, that we are sitting there as fans on the last day, hoping that a couple of faces are at least going to turn up and come in. But the truth is, and you think about this from a Crystal Palace perspective, who can you actually get on the last day of the transfer window? You know, who can you get? Because if you're talking about Palace, if anyone came knocking for our players, the only player that could leave on the last day is Jairo Riedervoud. Yeah, He'd be the only one that the club would say, yeah, okay, he can go. Do you know what I mean? That's okay. So all you're going to get from anywhere else is a player that the club has... You might have been able to sign Mitchy Bashwai on loan or something like that. You know, that that type is what I'm saying to you. You know, someone who's not wanted by their club mm. and is, is sitting there ready to go kind of thing. But you're not going to get good long-term targets on the last day of the, the transfer. If you wanted Semenyo from Bristol City... Even if you make them a great offer, are they going to go, yeah, it's all right? If somebody came and made us a great offer for Wilfred, would any of us sit there and go, yeah, it's all right, he can go. I mean, it's a great offer. We're going to lose him for free because actually the risk element is we go down, you know, without him. So that's, 
you know, you've got to allow people to to set their own deals up and, and make sure that they've got their their replacement done. I think that's the end of our winners and losers for this week. Uh, if you were on the public feed and you heard the post-match pod and thought, oh, I like the sound of that one, hear more of that, and you want to hear our winners and losers, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast uh, to hear more. Um, right, quick break. When we come back, questions. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge, for every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge, for every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Pan Podcast. We uh, pod three, no four three nine, I think, uh, and it's question time. Um, it's yeah, the window ended last week, so let's do some. We did hints about this in previous parts, but let's do some transfer questions. Uh, oh, here we go. I, I'm I don't like to you know say I have favourites, but this is my favourite named listener. Spoon Bill McCompty is back. Yeah, yeah good Spoon Bill. Um, we seem to have stood still while everyone else around us has moved on. I hate to say it, I'm even a little bit envious of how the little club on the South Coast has done business. Well, South Ham- Southampton have done some good business, <laughs> so fair place to them. <laughs> Bournemouth, though. Yeah, less <laughs> um, and fear we may be in trouble when we play them. Well, well good news for you, Spoon Bill. We're not going to play them. So that's, uh, that's, that's fine. Um, <laughs> And but then this is this is an interesting well a fair, fair point there from Spoonbill. This is a good question from the Cafe E Pitufo account. Also up there is one of my favourite names mm. accounts. We must um, go. We must. We must do. We absolutely must. Um, as long as the Cafe Pitufo account can pay for the travel. Um, the question is: um, Is the kickback from our perceived lack of transfer activity in the transfer market? I'm assuming uh, they mean on on social media. Just a complete overreaction due to last season's transfer window. And I'm guessing, Jack, they mean their positive transfer window. In in summary, were we ever going to be able to match up to last last year's summer transfer window? So in answer to the, the question, yes. And in answer to your secondary question, no. Cool. So, Dom, what do you <laughs> think? <about that>? <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's a really fair point. I think that the, the 2021 transfer window was so good. Um and and had such a positive impact on on our performances last season. It was always going to be difficult for the following summer's window to compare in the in and, and be compared to. So you know, I, I do think we're a bit light, and I do think some more business could have been done. Um, and I would like to see a bit more depth in certain parts of the squad. But you know, if if, if we've added a quality player like Chet Decore to the squad, um, and have have added a very good goalkeeper to the ranks, and have secured a, a very versatile defender at the back in Chris Richards and also the, the exciting signing of Abue, then I think that, that there are positives to be looked at. But I think the point about comparing it to the previous window and and, and maybe assessments of this window being made in light of that 2021 window is, is a very fair point and I would tend to agree with it. What are your thoughts, Don? Because a standalone window, yes, there are a couple of areas we would have liked more reinforcements, but standalone and, and you know, not compared to previous windows, etc. It's not a horrendous window, surely. Oh, no, it's, it's not. It's, uh, it's very difficult to judge um, 
transfer windows until you've probably gone six to eight weeks after the deadline and then you can work out you know whether some of the signings have have worked whether they've hit the ground running whether they can whether the team is is improved whether there is sufficient squad depth so you have to be slightly slightly careful on on that front i mean jack's jack's absolutely right we were never going to emulate what we did uh, last last summer and not not least because we didn't have to we didn't have that many players out of contract this time around we didn't have to completely revamp it all it was about fine-tuning and improving in in certain areas of the team but also i think a lot of clubs out there were quite not one of scarred is probably a bit too much but they, they they were definitely alarmed at how successful palace were last summer uh, and a few of them thought oh they've taken us for a ride there they've got really good players on not mm-hmm. for not very much money so which has made negotiation i imagine very very difficult this yeah. time around you, it's you're finding prices that, that palaces couldn't compete with and I, I know we always go back to ishmael assar and and, and negotiations with watford are always going to be quite strained because um well you're just a very good negotiator jd actually but 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 the rea- the reality is you know those two clubs don't get on let's be honest yeah. they, they, they they have issues um so that's maybe that's not a great example but that, there is a there is a player that was available but for a price that we weren't prepared to pay mm. uh, in in 12 months time when he's got 12 months on his deal maybe that situation changes but again there'll be other suitors out there for him then the the, the area of concern about it all is when you can look at a squad, even at this stage, um, and recognise that there are there's an imbalance there, that things aren't quite as complete as they might have been. And, and that that essentially boils down to the fact that, that Palace have got a few injuries in quite key positions. They, they've, they've lost Conor Gallagher, around whom they built their team last season. They've lost Jimmy MacArthur, who, who provides a sort of older head but also a sort of similar level of energy not maybe as you know you can't do a 90 minutes like Gallagher could but but you know we haven't got that in their team so there's a there's a lack of snap in that midfield really um they, they, I mean they look brilliant in the goalkeeping department I don't think we've ever had a strong yeah. <laughs> group of goalkeepers than they have now but the, you know you wouldn't normally have three internationals two inter sorry three players of of international quality i know vicente should really be in the spanish yeah. setup and yeah. you've got two england goalkeepers sitting potentially on the on the bench mm-hmm. um it's it's it doesn't make a lot of sense in, in that regard so we are short in in midfield and we haven't replaced christian benteke and that that is a concern but you know they haven't used up their loan slots they've kept their powder dry to a certain extent um you know, until until January, and, and maybe they're working on the assumption that there'll be sufficient train strikes between now and then to have most of the fixtures <laughs> postponed, and they'll be in a strong position to buy in January and compete in the second half of the season. Uh, the, the thing is, Jack, there will be. Um, uh, I'm sure most fans at Premier League clubs will be looking at their squad, saying we could have done better, we could have done more. Looking at holes in the squad, so you're very rarely going to be in a chance where you get everything perfectly right, and there, and obviously. You know, January will be actually after the World Cup. January will be a huge window, actually, considering the World Cup have just finished. Famously, a very difficult window to work in. Um, but it'll be interesting, especially with those two loan. You know, I found that mad, really, considering how active Palace has been in the loan market in the last couple of years, mm. that those two loan spots are still available. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
it's just going back to your point earlier, really. I don't, I don't think it's a horrendous window, but I can understand why people are frustrated with it. Um, but, you know, we spent the first half talking about Chet Decore being fantastic, and he is one of the players they brought in. So I guess you're never, never really going to have everyone happy. Oh, maybe everyone's last summer, but that really is a, a uh, bit of a one-off. I mean, I don't know if Chet Decore was the top target, but it was quite well known and referenced towards the end of last season. March, April, I remember us talking about you know, mentions of Chet Decore in the French media and, and 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 some links in the in the British press as well. So if that's to say that he was perhaps Palace's top target and he was the one who, you know, Dougie Friedman, Ian Moody, whoever's involved in the negotiations, Parish, whoever, if he was who they were putting their focus and their energy into, we got him over the line. Sam Johnston, we got over the line. And I just wonder whether if we got our top target, if would Palace fans be happier if we got targets three and four, say, whoever they might be? Yeah. Would they be happier just because we got two players in that covered two areas of the squad rather than getting our number one target, which did need to be addressed? We did need to, you know, otherwise we'd have Lucas starting games. And, you know, I don't think many Palace fans would want that right now, given Lucas' performances over the last few seasons. So in terms of where we are, um, I, I think... There are gaps in the squad, and 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 Dom's point about Benteke is one that I, I keep forgetting about. I think because it happened kind of t- <laughs> when we were playing a match almost. I keep forgetting he's not here anymore. Um, but now he's missing penalties and and uh, good headers for DC United instead. But you know, facetious <laughs> comment aside, that is a, a gap in the squad, and it's not as though either Edouard or Mateta are banging goals in either. So to have a third striker probably would be better. Um, Luke Plange has gone out on loan. Plange, Plange, who are you listening, you can decide uh, your preference there. I think it's Plange. I think he said it's Plange. Um, but you can, you can see why fans, and I put myself amongst this, are a little bit concerned in terms of the gaps in the squad. But that's not to say the window was not a decent one for Palace. Um, it is planned because uh, when he posted the video, didn't they, with all the players saying That's their right, name, I, heard, I got yeah. a barrage of DMs from people. <laughs> and get it right now. Thank you, um, listener. Keep keep barraging I him. refuse to bow to public pressure. <laughs> when have I ever done that? Uh, so I will keep calling him, what did I call him? Plonge, I think. Plonge. Um, okay, let's a nice little uh, window review there. And I don't think it's totally unfair at all. So I'm happy with that. Let's move on to some questions here. Um, well, we're six games in now, not quite at the sort of 10 game mark, Dom, that I normally would start to review, start the season and look at the table and stuff. But uh, a few people are sort of asking us about this run and points. So let's go through some of these uh, questions. Uh, Daniel J. Edwards. Hello, Hello Daniel. Daniel. When I look at our first 10 fixtures of the season, I thought 11 points from 10 games would be a good start. Do you think with United, Brighton, Chelsea and Leeds remaining, we can pick up the five points needed to hit 11 from 10? And if not, and then I've forgotten to open the rest of the uh, question, just says, if not, ho, dot, dot, dot. Um, I'm going to assume that means how. Um, Jamie Penston Raja, one of our regulars. Hello, Jamie. Jamie. In the context of us having statistically the most difficult opening run of any team in the Premier League, didn't realize that was the case. How much more credit does Vieira and the team deserve for not just solid points total, but also largely comfortable and enjoyable performances in every game so far? Uh, and then Toby Kinder has broken down it almost point by point. We'll come to Toby hello, in, Toby. in hello Toby. Uh, question um, in a minute. Uh, Dom, I'll put. I'll put. I guess both those to you. Do you, Do you think? That actually, so what's it, six from six is a fairly decent start and we can pick up those extra five. And then Jamie's question to the the, the credit to Vieira that actually with that, I didn't know it was 
the, the hardest run of any team. Kind of makes sense, actually. It could be. I think Bournemouth might have challenged that. Uh, I, I did see a table flash up on a on a popular um, news breaking um, television channel earlier in the in the summer. Where I think Bournemouth. Well, it wasn't being slaughtered, surely. <laughs> Somebody called Keezy was talking to me. Very hairy. Um, Dom Fifield. Dom <laughs> Fifield. <laughs> um, what do I think of it? Well, six games into last season, Crystal Palace had six points. Six games into this season, Crystal Palace have got six points. Um, I think our goal difference is marginally better this time around. Um won one game of those six again. Uh, the run of fixtures after Chelsea at the beginning of October does look really quite kind until Spurs in the 2nd of January, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the resumption um, after the World Cup. So you'd hope that in that in that period that, that Palace would would gain some proper momentum and kick on into upper mid table and, 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 and push on to what we, we want to see. Cause we want to see progress. That's, that's, yeah. that's ultimately what we want to happen this season. And, and I think at the moment it is, you can argue that we haven't seen much progress. Uh, they're, they're, they're still making mistakes off set pieces. I mean, Newcastle's harem scare at the weekend on set plays. And mm. that's what happened last season. Yeah. Um, they're still profligate at, at, at the end. And they're not creating chances. They're not creating easy chances. They're creating ch- opportunities and having sna- snatched shots at goal, but they're not clear-cut opportunities, which was very much a criticism of this time last year. Mm. Um, so some of these, and the substitutions issue has, has cropped up again and again. And, and you know, we're in a situation now where we're still really waiting for Olise to be unleashed on the league, just as we were this time last year. Um, there are a lot of similarities, and I think I think that that gives an impression of a bit of a tired scenario. We've we've seen all this before. We didn't want to see this exactly the same as last year. Yeah. We wanted to see something slightly, you know, jazzier, something slightly, something more exciting, basically. Um, and hopefully we will. I mean, I, I, I think when players get back to fitness and Elise is properly firing, we, we probably will. We've, we've certainly seen, you know, excellent Wolf so far and, and real flashes of quality from Ebbs, which we mm-hmm. maybe hadn't seen this time last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, 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 a, it's about progression. And have we, have we progressed? No, not really, because we haven't got a Gallagher in that midfield. We're, we're trying to play the same way without the one component that, yeah. that, that was in so integral last time around. Around. And to me, that and I'm not being alarmist. I, I I completely have faith in in the manager, and and I'm sure in time we will find a proper rhythm and we'll find we'll show what we can do in this division. But this 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 league feels incredibly competitive this year. Mm-hmm. You've got even bloody Bournemouth winning matches are above us on the table despite losing nine nil in one, which is remarkable. Yeah. With a goal so, difference of minus 212. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one knows what Forest are going to be like because we just simply don't know how many players they've signed. They've sort of, you know, more emerging from the woodwork all the time. At Fulham have really started impressively. They don't look like the pushovers they've been in previous years. So automatically you start thinking, oh, it's quite tight. The yeah. three promoted teams aren't going to be complete pushovers here. Mm-hmm. So that, offers up a sort of almost an anxiety as to what might happen here. We don't get our act together early. So I, I do think that Vieira will make his mark, but I, what I wanted to see was, was 
almost an improvement, a recognition from him that that last season's tactics were based around Conor Gallagher, and they just, they just were. We don't have him now. Can we not see something slightly different? Is there a, a case for, as, as Selzy keeps pushing for, for swapping formations to a four-two-three-one, maybe where we've got defensive, tidy defensive midfielders. We've got Will Hughes. We've got Luca who could who could operate in that in that two alongside Dakure, um, and and maybe that's a means of unleashing Elise or yeah. Eze in a further forward up the pitch. I mean, does we really think he's a number eight? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't. I'm not sure against all opponents he's going to be. And it's it's that that's slightly nagging at me. I, I want to see I want to see evidence. I want to see progression as well in in terms of how the team is coached. I don't want I don't understand the obsession with 5-4-1 now that that has crept in. Brentford really annoyed me uh, the way that we retreated in that game and and invited the the issues that um, you know that, that affected us in the latter stages. Um and you know, the, Vieira knows better than me. He knows, he knows, he he's, he knows what he's doing. But but it's almost like we we played five at the back at Liverpool and got a, what was essentially quite an unlucky point against ten men. And it's now become oh, we're going to have to play this in in some fixtures or within games even. And I'm not sure we've got the personnel to do it. I just I don't I don't see it. We might have the centre halves, but have we got the wing backs? I, I don't know, and and do we have the central midfielders as, as well that can that can be industrious and inventive in the same way? I mean, if Chelsea don't have it, I mean they don't at the moment, which is half the problem that Tuchel's had. Then are we surprised that Palace don't have it? I, I, I you know, we we didn't spend two hundred and seventy million pounds in the window, and so I, that's a, maybe a daft point, but it's sort of all sort of tied into the same thing. I want to see flexibility in the tactics i want to see i want to see a manager that recognizes the people at his disposal and recognizes the best way of getting the best results from them i'm not convinced at the moment that we're always seeing that yeah i guess jack the other issue is um if there was ever a season ever a season when they were going to kick on and do all those points that dom has just suggested it is now mm. i mean this is it the, the 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 stars are aligning you know even if we haven't quite had the window we wanted, this is the time when they really can kick on. This is the time, really, when Palace can break into that top 10, if not higher. Um, so it'd be frustrating if they didn't, and we didn't see that kind of progression, building on what was an excellent season last season. Speaking pragmatically, and I think I, I, my feelings about the, the this specific transfer window are how I feel. And I think it was a you know fair to middling window, but we did get probably our top target. So therefore, it, I think it's a, a decent window. Part of me does wish we'd gone all out, given that it's quite possibly Wilf Zaha's last season in a Palace shirt. And if you look at the stats, he's currently performing as one of the best attackers in the league. So if you were able to supplement that with with a Conor Gallagher type, with another 25, with Ishmael Assar, with another, or found players that could embed a system which meant Michael Elise is given free reign to terrorise left-backs from the first whistle, then I think that would be an absolute dream. But that hasn't happened and the club have taken a different approach. I agree almost with every word that, that Dom says there, but the word that really struck me was was perhaps the flexibility of, of tactic and flexibility of approach from Vieira perhaps has not developed at the speed that I hoped it would. I think last year everyone was willing to appreciate that this is his first season in the Premier League as a manager. Um, it, you know, he, he's going to be learning. But for me, and I'm you know, really intrigued to see how he uses the five at the back system over the next, you know, few months up until the World Cup. 
that is a bit of a concern for me. If if he keeps going to that system, even in games when I don't think it's appropriate. Of the three games that were played when I was away, Brentford was the one I saw least of. And I, I'm, I'm pretty much basing this opinion on, on the, the kind of assessment of others um, and, and those on social media. But it didn't strike me that that game needed 5-4-1 at that time. It didn't need the substitutions that were made at that time. And probably at the time of season, if we had gone gung-ho and then we had lost two points and Brentford had equalised, the fans would be quite forgiving if we'd given it a go. And it, it just struck me that there was a bit of a retreat that quite a lot of onlookers didn't really think was necessary. So this use of 5-4, not 5-4-1, could be 5-3-2, but the use of five at the back, which as Dom says, I don't know if we have the players to play. If you are playing five at the back, you need your full backs or your wing backs to be capable of getting above the halfway line and at times becoming your furthest player forward. I don't think Tyreek Mitchell can do that. And I don't think Joel Warden or Nathaniel Klein can do that. So just from a fullback position, I agree with Dom's point that we've probably got the centre-halves to play um, that five-of-the-back system. But the wing-backs are probably as important as the centre-backs, and I don't know if we do. So I, I, I don't really have much to add in, in terms of, of in what Dom said. I, I agree a lot with, with what Dom said, um, and I'll probably leave it there before I just start repeating what Dom said. I, I, I should probably make the point, and I, I, I might have been a bit unfair on the Elise situation, because he obviously was injured at the yeah, start of the season like back. he was last yeah. year. So, I mean, he, he's being broken in steadily, and, and he... At this time last year, he did start. I think it was the Leicester game, wasn't it, where he came on and made a real impression yeah, yeah. in the second half. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that'll happen. Um, I'd like to see. I hope that when it, when he is fit, that he gets to start away games as well. I, I, I don't like this sort of idea that he can't he's a home, play away yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, home games only. He's such a good player that that we need to use him. We need to tap into him We're, for a team that struggles to create great chances. He he is somebody that can do that and yeah. will unlock Mateta and Edouard maybe and, and obviously Zaha. So but I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not I don't want to sound too downbeat because it is it is still early and it's I, I I'm just I just the the natural that's not pessimism in, in me. It's 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 a, it's a it's a it's a cautiousness in me when I look at the division and I think all oh, the the collective standard has been raised this year. Mm. So you say this is an opportunity, Jim, to finish in the top ten. Well, I, I don't know whether it is actually, no, but it's 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 certainly one where we should be. We need to be demonstrating the quality that we have and 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 to be using that quality as best we can and as consistent as we can and and not chucking away two points in games that we should be winning comfortably but then you know we should have lost at the weekend and we got a point so i mean it's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's very it's it's early it's early and and viera i complete i've got i've got faith in him i just yeah i just hope that the you know that the collectively we find our rhythm soon um, it, looking at the fixtures um particularly with the bright you know the, the chelsea game looks a lot sooner now than it mm. than it did so you've got united then chelsea should we lose both of them, which are both home games, and then go into that Leeds game? I can see that Leeds game being a bit tense. I could see the kind of mood amongst Palace fans maybe tightening a little bit if we go into that game, uh, possibly in the bottom three, bottom five, if needing ideally a win to kind of kickstart the season. If come the full time of that game, we haven't beaten Leeds, that would be th- and, uh, you know worst of of the worst um, case scenario would be to lose three home games on the bounce that I could see, albeit 
United and, and Chelsea being two of those games, I could see a, the mood around the place darkening a little bit. But I don't think that'll be the case. I think um, I, I think we're good enough to get... We, we've given everyone that we've played this season a game. And, and we have to note, we've been to the Etihad and Anfield. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think that'll be the case. But looking ahead... Um, and as the the nights draw in, you you start to plan. <laughs> you know, the summer's kind of been and gone. You start to think about Palace a little bit more than than I, than you might have done. I I could see that Leeds game being, you know, a, a bit of a um, bit of a tense affair, possibly. Yeah, well, we'll obviously just be discussing that game uh, as and when uh, we get to it. Um, I agree with you though. This feels like a weird season where actually the quality is very high, and and, and almost everyone can give everyone a game, and actually include. City and Liverpool in that. So I think there will be some more mad results we'll see throughout the season, including Palace, I think, as well. So um, you're right, Dom, it will be quite open. There are a few teams that seem to be struggling more than others early doors, Leicester, Villa, for example. But, I mean, uh, history suggests they will probably sack their managers and then sort themselves out um, at some point. And then, of course, probably right before we play them, because that is how football works. Um <laughs> Anyway, though, thank you for your questions, uh, listeners. Um, excellent, as ever. After the break, we're going to really quickly preview that next game, which Jack has just alluded to. Of course, it is May United at home on Sunday. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. Ronald Reagan famously once said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are... I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Americans are losing faith in the banking system, and at the same time, the U.S. government could soon be headed toward a centralized banking system. How scary is that? How do you protect yourself as the government gets more involved in your life? For me, owning gold is one way. Having gold that I can see and touch makes me feel protected. Having a portion of your retirement in precious metals is another way to feel protected. I don't own crypto, I don't own NFTs, and I don't buy meme stocks. I don't invest in things I don't understand. If you are like me and want to feel safe, it's time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Again, that's www.oxfordgoldgroup.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Progressive protects more than just your home and car. You could save when you bundle your motorcycles, ATVs, boats, and RVs. Doesn't that sound good? Like the sound of the wind in the trees as your RV sits parked in the forest. Is that the call of the majestic owl? And there's the sound of a tree branch crashing into the roof of your RV. Oof, I guess their nest was in that branch. But you know what does sound good? You're covered with Progressive. So bundle all your vehicles in home in one place and save with the multi-policy discount. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. 
Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business. Welcome back to the Fluffy Pan Podcast. Uh, it's time for preview. Um, and the next game for Palace, of course, is at home to Manchester United on Sunday, 4.30 p.m. kickoff. I'm missing the game because uh, I didn't realize the game be moved and it's my daughter's third birthday party and I didn't oppose the uh the, the kickoff time of that uh so i won't be able to go to the game um have you not submitted that to the premier league as a reason for postponement is that not being considered <laughs> i did but they said trains are fine mate so uh <laughs> no no it no, says you should play <laughs> <laughs> um i'll give my ticket to my mate giles who i do the podcast the blank podcast with so uh he's a massive palace fan so hopefully he'll uh, have a good time uh, and watch a famous uh, victory as we did got at the end of last season actually didn't we last game of last season at home heard to sell us um trying to get my ticket to him was a whole uh, was a whole other issue which we don't have time for we did talk about <laughs> last week to be fair um on the pods uh we have had no questions previewing this game dom so i'll just <laughs> simply come to you uh very quickly uh, and say, um, how are you? Would you expect Vieira to line up for uh, for this one? Good question. Like, and I guess it comes down to the old, the age old debate, uh, which we've been having already six games in: uh, Mateta versus Edward. Well, actually, uh, to be honest, it, uh, to me, this is a uh, going back to what we said in the previous section. Is this a game where he looks at it and thinks we well, need to play five at the back? Yeah, is, maybe. Is this a match that he does it? I mean, Manchester United are flying. They suddenly yeah. found some form. Um, you know, they're not the team that went to Brentford in mid-August and got absolutely walloped, or the team that were torn apart by Brighton the previous week. They're, they're suddenly a, a side that's, that's you know, spanking the leaders of the Division 3-1 and quite comfortably. Um, they've won successive away games in the Premier League after after a horrible run of about six or seven defeats on the bounce. And it's 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 suddenly a, a really difficult fixture again. It's, it's more like playing the old Manchester United as opposed to the one that, that Palace beat so easily on the, on the last day of last season. So I, I worry that he looks at this and thinks I need to play, I need to play the five and I'd rather he didn't, I'd rather he, he went for it and, and unleashed some of these, some of these talents again. Maybe that's naive of me. Maybe I'll, maybe he'll play four at the back and we'll get ripped to pieces and I'll, I'll have to come in here and, and apologize to the world on, on Sunday evening. But, but quite, I mean, I want him to go, I want him to go four, three, three or, or to at least at, at least um, have Alise, Eze, and Zaha in the same team. Um, I, I want, yeah, I want us to to try and un- make life uncomfortable for them. I don't really care who plays up top. I mean, I, I, to be honest, it doesn't make an awful lot of difference for Palace uh-huh. whether Mateta or Edouard plays up top. Yeah, actually, there's an argument. You play Will through the middle, and that might give you the best opportunity to to play with. 
we could even play Ayu and Elise in the same team then, potentially. Or you could stiffen up your midfield a bit more with a Will Hughes or, or a Luca, uh, in even in the three, um, and yeah, and and and, and use Eberechieze further up the pitch. But those are the type of things I'd be worrying about. Not not whether he plays Mateta or Edouard, because we know what both of those guys are going to do. Quite frankly, it's about the quality of chances we create for them. We put it on a plate for them, they'll probably score. If we don't, they won't. And that's football, folks. That is how football works. Um, it, annoyingly, Jack, Man United, after years of just being a complete basket case, have finally started to go down a route of sensible decisions. They've dropped uh, Ronaldo, which is, which is obviously a sensible thing to do, and Rashford is now finding some form. They finally signed some decent defenders who have slotted in very, very easily and doing very well. So, as Dom says, they won't be the team from a few weeks ago. It will be a tough a tough challenge uh, for Palace. Um, and actually, I think, yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about the five at the back, but I, I wonder if it might be another game of that. Yeah, they, they, they look a far more effective unit than they did in the uh, the opening weeks of the season. And it seems a couple of just selection choices are a, a big part of that. Harry Maguire being dropped, um, probably the most notab- notable. Casemiro, I don't think, has started yet. Um, but you mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, um, could possibly his final chance to score at Selhurst Park. I believe he's yeah. still drawn a blank and yeah. uh, may well uh, try. It like he hasn't completed football yet. You know, he's so got, I don't think he has. <laughs> I don't think he is. I think that guy's uh, reputation is uh, still to be decided. And if he doesn't score at Southwest Park, then for me... To be fair, Messi hasn't done it either. No, so neither has Messi. can really be considered the greats, I don't think. Yeah. That's why Adiak Mbaye, for me... <laughs> Some yeah. of the charts. That's um, why Adriano. Was. <laughs> did, did he score? Yes, he, I don't did know it? if he scored in that preseason for uh, I don't know. But anyway, I um I I think it's gonna be a really difficult game. Um they were very impressive against Arsenal um the other night. And I think a key part of that is Christian Eriksen is being given a bit more license. Um and I think uh he'll he'll be a, a if we can get on top of him, a bit like when he was playing in his pump for Spurs. If you got on top of Ericsson, you got on top of Spurs. And I think that's probably going to be the case for United this season. Um, if you get on top of Ericsson, um, you'll, you'll probably limit United uh, somewhat. They've obviously got excellent players and have a, uh, a £100 million winger who I don't think I've ever seen play before he signed for Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Again, agree with all of, of Dobbs points. There are some decisions. I think the team lineup will probably say a lot about what the approach will be for Sunday. But you know, main game Sunday four thirty doesn't often happen at Selhurst, so um, quite looking forward to it um, and and seeing what we can do. But we've got the players, and as I said in the last part, we have been competitive in every match so far this season, and I think we will be again. Um, but to what degree, I guess, will depend on a few of the decisions that Dom just alluded to. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, I hope everyone enjoys it. I'll be watching uh, 20 Toddlers Danced Around the Peppa Pig theme tune. So think of me when Wilf is smashing in the third. You wait until they bring up their jelly after the Bouncy Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Bouncy Castle. There's a ba- I didn't know there's a b- 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 Bouncy Castle. Um, but anyway, I did not, I did not sanction that. Um, thank you very much for both of you being on the podcast. Dom, great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Top man, Jack. Great to have you back after your pre-season abroad. My Greek odyssey. Yes, I'm back <laughs> and yeah, lovely to talk. Palace brings me see, uh, right back to life. Yeah. Does the suntan lotion get get in on Keezy's chest? And does that does that, does oh, that make it what, what an idea! I mean, I didn't get that close to Richard Keys. I was oh, watching okay. him through a television. It wasn't that oh, close okay. and personal. Uh, that's like disappointing. Hmm. Probably the most that Richard Keys has been mentioned on a podcast. That um, isn't, isn't football cliche. <laughs> <for a long laughs> yeah. 
I, quite I, think, I, I, I do think Adam Hurry is going to start charging us rent for his uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> intellectual property sooner rather than later. <laughs> We're going to get like a cease and desist. Of, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do listen to Football Clichés. It's an excellent podcast. Um, right. Thanks very much to our listeners. Uh, thanks for the questions. Thanks to our patrons. Patreon.com slash FYP podcast. We'll be back next week, of course, after that May night game to re- review that. And uh, the patrons will get a post-match pod immediately after the final whistle um, in their feed. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.